local leaders, top stories, the news that matters most to you. The News Drive at 5 with host Patrick Reynolds starts now. Welcome to the News Drive at 5 here at WSIC News Talk Radio. I am Patrick Reynolds taking you home on this Tuesday, February 20th, 2024, 5.06 p.m. on the Eastern Seaboard. You just heard Know the Scene, hosted by Justin Dion on here on WSIC News Talk every Tuesday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, right before the News Drive at 5. Justin is the Executive Director of Kane Center for the Arts on East Catawba Avenue in Cornelius, North Carolina here. And always got some good stuff with upcoming acts, upcoming shows at the Kane Center. So tune in to Know the Scene every Tuesday at 4 p.m. right here on WSIC News Talk. Your local headlines tonight, the top five at five news stories that we are tracking for all of you. One killed and three are injured in an Iredell County crash. A missing Cornelius girl's mother faces her latest court date. One person is injured in a North Charlotte shooting. Mooresville's budget sessions discuss capital spending. And five new members were inducted into the Lincoln County Sports Hall of Fame. All this and more headlines coming up for you. We've got our ticket giveaway coming up as well. The Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show is this weekend at the Park Expo and Conference Center in Charlotte. After our final break at 5.45 p.m., we will clear the phone lines for you. One lucky caller will win that four-pack of tickets. 844-STUDIO-4, 844-788-3464. And our first caller of the day is on the line. I'm betting this is Yolanda from iCats. Hello, Yolanda. Uh, this is Jim. It's Jim. Oh, gosh. I took a guess. I'm usually right with Yolanda. Welcome, Jim. Welcome to the News Drive at 5. Yeah, uh, Yolanda will be back tomorrow. Well, we'll look forward to but, talking with you, Yolanda. What do you got for us tonight, Jim? Well, for a change, everything is running nice and smooth. Uh, I couldn't believe it. It's night traffic coming down to Charlotte. Uh, travel time was 35 minutes from Statesville to Center City here. Wow. No accidents, no cars on the side of the road. Uh, didn't see any police. It just, and it's, there's no backups at the normal backups, like they're at uh, exit 18 northbound. Everything's what? running nice and smooth. That is fantastic news so far tonight. The St. Patrick's Day celebration is just under a month away. I think you just used a little bit of luck of the Irish there with your drive from Statesville to to uh, Center City at 35 minutes reported. That is fantastic. Nice work. Yeah, everything running nice and smooth. Uh, in fact, the speed was down a little bit. Everybody's minding their P's and Q's. That is great. I love it when we have smooth roads and everybody's got their eyes open, ears open, and paying attention. Great news. Jim from iCats, we appreciate the update. Thank you so much, my friend. We appreciate you. Thank you. All righty. Take care. Have a good night. Jim from iCats. iCats giving us the latest update. Jim says nice and smooth. 35 minutes from Statesville to Center City. 
producer Joe, have you ever? That's pole position time right that there. Is. That's amazing. He might have one day toned it driving <laughs> that fast. That is great news. Uh, we don't encourage anybody to speed, but he even said the speed was down. So everybody's traveling nice and smooth. That's all it takes, really. Just pay attention. Uh, eyes up, ears open, everything. Yeah, radar is on. Good, good, good. That's great. No incidents to report. Everything's smooth. Jim from iCats tonight. We'll look forward to talking to Yolanda tomorrow, but good news there. In our headlines tonight, our top story in Statesville. A woman died and three others were hurt in a head-on crash in Aradell County on Monday evening. The crash happened on Highway 70 near Fanjoy Road about 5.40 p.m. Troopers said a Hummer was driving east on Highway 70 when it crossed the center line and hit a Honda Pilot head-on. The initial crash caused the Hummer to keep moving, colliding head-on again with a Ford F-350. Officials said the driver of the Hummer, 20-year-old Elizabeth Estrada Mojica, was taken to the hospital. Her injuries are non-life-threatening. The driver of the pilot, 43-year-old Sandra Jackson, died at the scene. A juvenile in the vehicle was taken to the hospital but is expected to survive. The driver of the Ford sustained minor injuries. An initial investigation did not find speed nor impairment to be factors in the crash. Mojica was charged with misdemeanor death by vehicle, driving left of center, and driving while license revoked. Also in Statesville, one person is dead and four other people were injured in a vehicle crash in Iredell County. Officials said that North Carolina State Highway Patrol responded to a vehicle crash over the weekend on I-40 West, near mile marker 156 in Iredell County. Highway Patrol states that a Subaru Forester was traveling in the left lane and struck a car hauler trailer being pulled by a Dodge Ram 3500. Officials state that the Ram 3500 ran out of gas and pulled into the median, and part of the trailer was still in the travel lanes. The driver of the Forester, identified as Justin Wilson, age 34, died from his injuries at the scene, and three juveniles were transported to Brenner's Children's Hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Highway Patrol said that the driver of the Ram 3500 was not injured and the driver of the RAV4 and a passenger were transported to a local hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. The initial investigation does not indicate impairment or speed as contributing factors in the collision. All occupants were restrained by seatbelts. In Cornelius... Madalena Koahari has been missing for nearly a year and a half, and her incarcerated mother is set for her latest court appearance this week. Diana Koahari and her lawyer, attorney Susan Williams, have what is listed as an in-person arraignment hearing at the Mecklenburg County Courthouse this Friday in front of D Judge Donald Curtin Jr. during the court's morning session according to paperwork filed on the court's website. This follows two dispositions and an electronic warrant assignment that all took place last year. Bond was set in November for Diana at $250,000. Diana's daughter, Madalena, was 11 years old when she went missing in 2022 from her Cornelius home. A school faculty member was the one who initially noticed her missing and reached out after a lengthy absence around Thanksgiving. 
Diana and her husband, Christopher Palmiter, were both charged with failure to report her disappearance. Palmiter has bonded out. Cornelius Police and the FBI have been somewhat tight-lipped regarding the girl's disappearance. They have not been many updates or clues given to her whereabouts. Madalena's grandmother made some explosive comments outside a court appearance last August, saying she strongly believes Madalena was kidnapped and sold to human traffickers. They have ties to Moldova. However, it's unclear if law enforcement has actually been to Moldova to investigate per the family. Court documents stated that the parents had an argument the night of her disappearance and that Madalena went into a room never to be heard from after that. Paul Mutter then stated he made a road trip to visit family in Michigan shortly after that. The News Drive at 5 continues on for this Tuesday, February 20th. We've got more of your local headlines. We've got our Charlotte Home Show ticket giveaway, and we're going to keep you informed. Thanks for listening to WSIC. We'll be back right after this. Keep it here. We'll be back with more of the News Drive at 5 with Patrick straight ahead on 1059 100.7 WSIC. Now, back to more of the News Drive at 5 with your host, Patrick Reynolds, on 1059 100.7 WSIC. Patrick Reynolds taking you home on today's News Drive at 5 for this Tuesday. February the 20th, 2024, 5.18 p.m. Eastern Time. And we are about 30 minutes away from our ticket giveaway to the Charlotte Home in Remodeling Show. It's coming up this weekend at the Park Expo and Conference Center in Charlotte. Craig Conover of Bravo's hit series Southern Charm will be appearing at the show this Friday and Saturday, 844-STUDIO-4. 844-788-3464 get you on the air right now to talk about the news or if you want this tickets a little bit later i got a four pack of winners for you 844-STUDIO-4 844-788-3464 in about 30 minutes back to the news drive at five headlines tonight in north charlotte one person was injured in an overnight shooting Emergency personnel responded to calls regarding the incident around 1.46 a.m. this morning near North Graham Street and Atondo Avenue. A 22-year-old man was found suffering from gunshot wounds and was transported to an area medical center to be treated for life-threatening injuries. An initial investigation revealed an unknown suspect fired multiple shots into a vehicle, injuring one of the occupants. The suspect also shot into an unoccupied business while shooting at the vehicle, causing damage to the property. This is an ongoing investigation. A Cleveland man who was on federal probation for drug offenses faces new charges following an investigation by the Iredell County Sheriff's Office. Sheriff Darren Campbell announced the arrest of Deshaun Millsaps, age 34, of Shinville Road in Cleveland. Earlier this month, Iredell County Sheriff's Office investigators received information that Millsaps was using both 137B and 245 Garfield Street in Statesville to store and distribute controlled substances. 
After conducting surveillance and making purchases directly from Millsaps, narcotics investigators obtained search warrants that were executed on February the 16th. When the warrants were served, Millsaps was found to be in possession of crystal meth, cocaine, and a firearm. Millsaps, who was on probation for a conspiracy to distribute heroin in possession with intent to distribute heroin, was charged with felony possession with intent to sell or deliver crystal meth, felony possession of cocaine, felony maintaining a dwelling for the sale or use of a controlled substance, felony alter, destroy or remove a serial number from a firearm, and felony possession of a firearm by a felon. Millsaps was taken into custody without incident, transported to the Aradale County Detention Center, and appeared before Magistrate Calejas, who issued a $200,000 secure bond on these charges. Aradale County Sheriff's Office investigators are working with federal probation officers to have Millsaps' probation violated and have him returned to federal prison. In Huntersville, on the 10-year anniversary of a young man's murder, authorities are announcing a reward in a plea for information. Officials say Peter Jordan was killed at the landings at North Cross Apartments on February 19, 2014. He was 19 years old at the time. Anyone with information is asked to call Detective Hardy or anonymously contact North Mech Crime Stoppers. The reward is funded by Crime Stoppers and Jordan's family. Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools says it will retrain teachers after a photo of a Black History Month display at West Charlotte High School caused a stir on social media last week. The picture shows two doors decorated for Black History Month with one reading colored entrance and the other white entrance. A sign that says Sears Department Store 1930 hangs above. The display harkens back to the days of Jim Crow, an era when state and local laws legalized racial segregation during the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Critics of the display said it had the potential to upset and marginalize black students. In response to online complaints, the displays were removed hours after being put up, according to a statement issued by CMS. CMS said in a statement, quote, the school district is required to provide social studies and history lessons to all our students in an age-appropriate manner. Teachers at West Charlotte High School decorated doors that displayed inappropriate content. The activity is not aligned to state standards or with CMS curriculum and approved lesson plans, end quote. The district also said its teachers will be retrained in the specific social studies curriculum practices that can be used in lesson plans and teaching moving forward. Commenters online offered mixed feelings about the displays. While some called them offensive, others said they were poignant reminders of the realities of segregation. Said one Facebook commenter, quote, This brought the past front and center in a way many of us today have never experienced firsthand. This was the reality not too long ago. That's the lesson right there, end quote. Another commenter who echoed that sentiment said, quote, I think these kinds of things make this history more real, so conversations can be had and perspectives gained. I think it's great, end quote. However, others called the doors displays distasteful 
and worried about the negative emotional impact they could have on black students. Said another commenter on Facebook, quote, just because it's giving a moment of reality does not make it okay for anyone to have to go through anything similar to our ancestors. It's out of line, end quote. Back closer to home in Cornelius, it looks like there are no plans to extend Lake Pines Drive to Chartown Drive, where there are a number of new businesses and more on the way. Lake Pines tracks north off Westmoreland, just west of I-77, toward the southern tip of Chartown, which runs parallel to I-77 from Lake Norman Infinity to Lake Norman Chrysler Dodge Jeep, and just south of there, the site of the proposed headquarters and innovation hub for Registics, a Huntersville company. Assistant Town Manager Wayne Heron said, quote, We do not anticipate the town board wanting to make the connection in any way, shape, or form. There is no desire to route traffic through that neighborhood, end quote. The neighborhoods include the Legacy Apartments and the Westmoreland community. It turns out town staff were obligated to bring the possible north-south connection up because it is still shown on the Charlotte Regional Transportation Planning Organization thoroughfare plan. Heron said, quote, we anticipate having it removed in spring of this year, end quote. We may, uh, what may occur instead is a pedestrian or a cycling path, but only if neighbors would support such an option. Registics is planning a three-story office building totaling 40,000 square feet that would house 45 to 60 employees in what's called reverse logistics. If approvals occur in a timely fashion, groundbreaking could take place in the next year or so. In Lincolnton, a discussion was held at the most recent Lincolnton City Council meeting on whether an alcohol social district should be approved for the city. John Brinsfield, co-owner of Brick Tree Brewing Company in Lincolnton, presented the proposal at the meeting. Local governments have had the discretionary power to allow social districts within their jurisdiction since September of 2021. Basically, a designated social district allows alcohol to be consumed away from on-premises alcohol outlets where the beverage was purchased. There are various requirements, such as signage denoting boundaries, defined days and hours of operation, specific cups to contain beverages, and no outside alcohol being allowed within the district. If approved, Lincolnton could join Cornelius, Davidson, Huntersville, and Mooresville in offering one or more social districts. According to Brinsfield, the bulk of the downtown Lincolnton area restaurants, breweries, and tap rooms were in favor of allowing a social district to be formed. The area of the social district in Lincolnton proposed by Brinsfield would be around Court Square, East Water Street to Laurel Street, Sycamore Street to Laurel Street, and Poplar Street to Pine Street laid out to avoid the residential areas of Lincolnton. After the discussion, Councilman Roby Jetton said he was all for anything that would help the downtown merchants, but he was concerned about the rules being regulated. He also stated if the districts were approved, he'd like to see evidence of sales going up, which he said he wasn't disputing, but wanted to know for sure. 
Councilwoman Jill Tipton questioned that evidence as well, saying she was also concerned about enforcement. Both Lincolnton Police Chief Brian Green and City Manager Richard Haynes indicated they've queried other counterparts in other jurisdictions with approved social districts and were told there were minimal issues within the districts. Haynes said, quote, most of them looked at as a positive for their towns. The main thing the mayors and managers want to do is make sure they're giving their merchants their best chance of survival. I think that's why most of them have followed suit. I believe last year it was a little new, but I think with another year of talking to people who have had it for a year, they just don't have issues with it, end quote. Councilwoman Christine Poinsett suggested council members take a field trip to the closest social district and check it out. A public hearing on this proposal will be held at the next meeting of the council, which will be held March the 7th. In Mooresville, with a pool of funds available, an official town board review, a part of the process before specific expenditures are approved, the town is positioned to invest in dozens of prioritized capital improvement projects. We've got a lot, a lot of details coming up on that Mooresville budget session after the break. We've also got our ticket giveaway in about 15 minutes. I am Patrick Reynolds. This is the News Drive at 5, and we'll be right back. The News Drive at 5 will be back shortly on 105.9, 100.7 WSIC. Local starts here. Now, back to more of the News Drive at 5 with your host, Patrick Reynolds, on 105.9, 100.7 WSIC. Patrick Reynolds taking you home on this News Drive at 5 for Tuesday, February 20th, 2024, 5.35 p.m. East Coast time. We've got tickets to the Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show. Going to give away in about 15 minutes. i got a four-pack of winning tickets for one lucky caller. If you're checking out the video feeds on our social media, you're staring at them right there. Hold them up to the camera. Nice four-pack. Give you some fun this weekend. We're at the Park Expo and Conference Center in Charlotte. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for the show. Craig Conover of Bravo's hit series Southern Charm will be there this Friday and Saturday. So about uh, 10 minutes from now, after our next commercial break, 844-STUDIO-4, 844-788-3464. We'll give you the winning four-pack of tickets. In the meantime, if you'd like to call in and talk about the news of the day, we would love to hear from you. More coming out of this Mooresville budget session. A whole lot of more detail here for you. Didn't have time to get to it before the last break. But at the town board's planning retreat, finance director Chris Quinn provided an overview of current municipal finances and budget patterns as the introduction to later discussions focused on a plan designed to put the town's capital projects fund to good use. The fund is fed through an annual budgeting approach. And with a boost from American Rescue Plan Act, distributions during the COVID pandemic reached $48.6 million. That amount, based on the project rundown by Quinn and commissioners that followed, could provide financing for a collection of transportation, infrastructure, recreation, and general community improvements. In addition, to finance large-scale specific undertakings, 
like a downtown parking garage or a new fire station, the town could absorb the debt triggered by a bond package in the $20 million range without significant adjustments in tax revenue requirements. In addition to the parking garage and a future fire station somewhere in the town's south side that could be financed with a limited obligation bond package, the list of prioritized projects include include those that have already received a town commitment of funds and those that have already been partially funded, as well as another category with matching grants and outside funding involved, but as yet no town contribution. As part of the retreat exercise, commissioners shared their perspective on the list of proposed investments, providing endorsements for potential distributions that would whittle the capital projects fund down to about $6 million with the understanding that decisions on specific investments will be part of future budget planning processes and the knowledge the list is a living document where projects could be changed, removed, or completely reevaluated. The financial planning process will also include consideration of Quinn's proposal that, starting with the next budget, a formula be adopted distributing property tax income equivalently to that generated by one penny of town taxes. That should be approximately $1.3 million. That would go to the Capital Projects Fund. An equal amount in sales tax revenue would also be directed to the fund each year, along with any sales tax revenue above budgeted expectations. That should keep the fund well-stocked. Another proposal for perpetual funding is also up for consideration, with Quinn recommending a $1 million distribution from the Capital Projects Fund to subsidize the town's pavement road resurfacing and maintenance program each year. The town receives annual funding from the state for upkeep on local roads through a formula based on population and miles of locally maintained street. That allotment in Mooresville, as is the case in other Lake Norman municipalities, is simply not enough to cover the cost, though. Projects on the capital improvement list, ranging from $111,000 in matching funds, for a preliminary aspect of the state's Williamson Road widening project to $7.6 million for extensive upgrades at Cornelius Road Park. Included with those have been discussed in detail at town board sessions and those relatively new on the town's to-do list. All will be subject to future board decisions and dollar figures reference are placeholders for now in the capital expenditures rundown for the coming years but some of the higher-profile items from retreat discussions are Moore Park, East Center Avenue, some more greenways, playgrounds and parks, the Mooresville-graded school district sidewalk package, Moore Avenue pedestrian improvements, and a public operations center, and the potential for a new Exit 38 off of I-77. As far as the exit goes, commissioners are expected to hear an update this week on the opportunity to expedite construction of Exit 38 at Cornelius Road and Interstate 77. This is according to retreat presentation by transportation planner Will Washam. Representatives with the Kimley Horn Engineering and Design Firm will outline plans for a split diamond, which is two bridges interchange, includes an Exmoor Road I-77 crossing, 
connecting to Bluefield Road south of Cornelius Road, as well as the Cornelius Road interchange. If the plan is endorsed, it would be forwarded to the North Carolina Department of Transportation with the goal of planning and design work to begin during the summer of 2025. During his presentation, Washam also reminded commissioners about the $5 million comprehensive regional study starting this month to update the vision for red line commuter rail service between Mooresville and Charlotte. Out of Raleigh, the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services is launching a new statewide peer warm line that is getting launched today. The new peer warm line will work in tandem with the North Carolina 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by giving callers the option to speak with a peer support specialist. Peer support specialists are people living in recovery with mental illness or substance abuse disorder who provide support to others who can benefit from their lived experience. Starting today, people in need of assistance and wanting to speak with a peer can call the warm line, and people who call 988 will have the option to connect with the peer warm line if they just prefer to speak with a peer. The statewide peer warm line will be run by the Promise Resource Network, which is a peer-run organization in Mecklenburg County. PRN was awarded the contract following a competitive public bidding process. North Carolina Health and Human Services Secretary Cody Kinsley said, quote, When you're in a tough spot, sometimes the best person to talk with is a person who has had similar experiences. The Peer Warm Line expands our behavioral health crisis system in North Carolina toward the goal of meeting people where they are and helping pre prevent crises in the first place, end quote. More than 40% of 988 callers are repeat callers who find it helpful to speak with someone. By providing access to peers, the warm line expands and enhances 988's ability to offer that service. Warm lines have also been shown to improve outcomes for people in crisis by reducing hospitalizations and emergency department visits, reducing the reoccurrence of behavioral health symptoms, and increasing communication and collaboration between clinical care teams, individuals in crisis, and their families. Kelly Crosby, Director of the Division of Mental Health, Development, Disabilities, and Substance Use Services said, quote, peer support specialists are so important in our mental health and substance use system. Building relationships based on mutuality, trust, and empowerment is essential to fostering healing and recovery, end quote. Both the Peer Warm Line and 988 are available to anyone, anytime. If you or someone you know is struggling or in crisis, help is available. The Peer Warm Line is part of a broader strategy to improve behavioral health in North Carolina. The department is leveraging ongoing funding and the historic investment from the North Carolina General Assembly to ensure everyone receives the care they need when and where they need it. The News Drive at 5 continues on with your headlines. I am Patrick Reynolds. Stay tuned. Ticket giveaway after this break and more news. We'll be right back. Keep it here. We'll be back with more of the News Drive at 5 with Patrick straight ahead on 105.9 100.7 WSIC. 
Call 844-STUDIO-4 now to join in the conversation on the News Drive at 5 with Patrick Reynolds on 1059-100.7 WSIC. Welcome back to the News Drive at 5. Patrick Reynolds taking you home and this Tuesday February 20th, 2024 on WSIC News Talk, 5.48 p.m. Eastern Time. It is time to give away four tickets to the Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show at the Park Expo and Conference Center in Charlotte. That for winning four-pack of tickets, if you can see them on the social media video feed right here from the studio, 844-STUDIO-4, 844-788-3464, one lucky caller. Call in right now. You can win that four-pack of tickets, and you'll be going to the home show this weekend. Back to the News Drive at 5 headlines tonight. In Lincoln County, five new members were inducted into the Sports Hall of Fame in Lincolnton. The class of 2023 included Jane Wright, Ann Kiever, Bob Steelman, Celeste Frazier, and Ronald Alexander. Wright participated in many sports, but preferred basketball. She played at West Link in high school from 1971 to 1975, averaged 20.8 points per game for her career. Wright was the second highest scorer in the conference during her senior season. She was recognized with all-conference honors three times. Wright was a player that other teams only hoped they could contain. After high school, Wright became a teacher assistant and paramedic in Lincoln County. She later went back to school at Belmont Abbey to earn her teaching degree. She spent time coaching girls basketball at West Lincoln Middle School, where her team went to perfect 12-0 in 1996. Wright continues to serve the West Lincoln area today. She is still active with the rescue squad and her church and loves to spend her time attending her grandchildren's ball games. Kiever was a vital member of the Lincolnton High School basketball team from 1957 to 1960. As a forward, she demonstrated great talent and ability, scoring as many as 49 points per game. During the 1959-1960 season, she was the leading scorer for the entire Southwest Conference with 450 points total. Kiever has been an active member of St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Dallas for nearly 60 years. During this time, she has served on the church council, chaired the social ministry committee, was a founding member of the Morning Glories Women's Group, is a current member of the Disciples Sunday School class, and participates in the seniors group. She also served 10 years as a 4-H leader in the community. Frazier has given her time, talents, and heart to Lincoln County for many years as an athlete, coach, and Special Olympics leader. At East Lincoln High, she competed in basketball, softball, and track. After college, Frazier returned to teach and coach in Lincoln County. She coached teams at West Lincoln, East Lincoln Junior High, and East Lincoln High School, finding team success on the basketball court. However, Frazier's greatest accomplishments have come from her leadership in the Special Olympics Lincoln County programs. As the Special Olympics Lincoln County Coordinator, Ms. Frazier was recognized as Coordinator of the Year in 2008 and has been recognized for 10, 15, and 20-year service awards to the organization. 
2023, Frazier was awarded the Special Olympics North Carolina President's Award for her tremendous contributions and service to the Special Olympics program. She continues to build new partnerships in our community with the Special Olympics program and, most importantly, offering opportunities to local families. Alexander achieved success on the basketball court and as a coach. Early in his playing career at Central Junior High School in Lincolnton, he was recognized as a team captain, often leading the team in scoring and rebounds. At Lincolnton High School, Alexander learned to enjoy the intensity of the game. During his junior and senior years, he was recognized for multiple awards. While a senior in the 1975 season, the Wolves basketball team went 20-0 in a competitive Southern District 7 basketball conference. The team's only loss came in the conference tournament championship game. Alexander was recognized with all-conference honors that year and finished his high school career with over 1,000 points scored. Following graduation, Mr. Alexander continued his playing career at Atlantic Christian College, now known as Barton College. Following his playing days, he moved on to the coaching side at Lowe's Grove Middle School and Durham School of the Arts. Steelman was, dominant, was a dominant three-sport athlete at West Lincoln High School in the late 60s into 1970, where he excelled at basketball, baseball, and football. He pitched and played center field on the baseball team and played forward and center on the basketball squad. Stillman played both offense and defense on the football field. During his high school years, he was a regular, quote, Rebel of the Week award winner. Stillman was recognized as team most valuable player in basketball and most improved in football. Following high school, Stillman played football at Appalachian State University. Stillman was a three-year letterman at App State, which, and was the team's leading receiver in 1973. Today he works and lives in Bowling Green, Kentucky with his family. Stillman finds time to volunteer with youth athletics, helping coach football, basketball, soccer, and baseball. His love for volunteering and coaching shines through the athletic accomplishments of his children, and now he enjoys that time with his grandchildren. In Statesville... Rescue Ranch recently announced a new membership program, Friends of the Ranch. And there are two membership levels. You can have animal ambassadors or you can be a critter. Each level offers families the opportunities to come to the ranch year-round to use the nonprofit's 10,000-square-foot playground and nature trail. In addition, the membership offers discounts on birthday parties and educational programs. To purchase a membership or to learn more, contact Maureen Moore, Director of Community Relations, Partnership, and Development. Also in Statesville, the Insomniacs invite the public to bring your own instrument, BYOI. We've got a fun jam session this Saturday, February the 24th. The event will be held 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. in the Old Jail and is free and open to the public. The Insomniacs is Statesville's first art-centered nonprofit. It seeks to boost artist and cultural relevance of minorities in North Carolina while becoming the central hub for artistic collaboration and sustainability. Organizers are inviting the community to come on out, show your support, get involved, and have some fun. 
Recapping some earlier stories in the News Drive at 5 in Statesville. A woman died and three others were hurt in a head-on crash in Aradale County on Monday evening. The crash happened on Highway 70 near Fanjoy Road around 5.40 p.m. Also in Statesville, one person is dead and four other people were injured in a vehicle crash in Aradale County. Officials said the North Carolina State Highway Patrol responding to a vehicle crash over the weekend in I-40 West near mile marker 156 in Iredell County. Highway Patrol stated that a Subaru Forester was traveling in the left lane and struck a car hauler trailer, which was pulled by a Dodge Ram 3500. Officials state that the Ram 3500 ran out of gas and pulled into the median and part of the trailer was still in the travel lanes. Coming up close to the top of the hour here on this Tuesday, February 20th on the News Drive at 5. And as always, following us, us, me, and the broadcast here is the scoreboard with Joe Berg. He hosts that every weeknight at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And he's also my audio producer here on the News Drive at 5. Good Tuesday evening to you, Joe. How are you, bud? I'm doing just fine. How about yourself? I'm doing great over here. Big scoreboard tonight. We had an interesting one last night, and uh, I imagine a little bit of that will roll over to today's show. Yeah, yesterday was kind of a a special episode, if you will. Me and you got to talk for the hour while the Daytona 500 was going on in the background. Um, But today we get to recap the Daytona 500 and talk about all the wonderful things that come out of Daytona. Uh, You got a little, uh, gosh, let's call it restrictor plate and blocking headache heading into the scoreboard tonight? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. I'm not happy with NASCAR. You're not. You're not. And I don't, you don't have to tell me now because you, you, I want people to tune in and expand on that in the scoreboard this morning. I'm not either. And I'll tell people to go to the WSIC social media and go to this morning's Good Morning LKN with Justin, Bill, and Mamie as you and I both called in and in, yes. in, enjoyed you know, some, some invaded. input. In, invaded the show, yeah. is how I'd like to put it. It's kind of like a Daytona 500 commentary <laughs> recap on uh, this morning's Good Morning LKN. So on the WSIC socials, we have X, YouTube, Facebook, uh, some other stuff too. What LinkedIn? LinkedIn. Yeah. WSIC News. WSIC News. Yeah, it's all there. It's all there. It's all there, <laughs> and uh, you can catch our commentary on the Daytona 500. What else do you have for us? Obviously, the 500 the big story, but what else you got? 500 is the big story. We're going to go back to high school basketball. The uh, conference yes. tournaments are underway. Games are being played. We have results from yesterday. Uh, we have some NCAA updates for the men's basketball league mm-hmm. and for the college football playoff. We have an update on how things are going to go next year. I know football news in, in late February is a little weird, but... It broke today. Uh, and then if we have time, we will get to the NHL. Daytona in the rearview mirror. Weather is looking good for the Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend for the Cup Series. And then right after that, March is here. March Madness. Yet you're still able to sneak in college football playoffs. And March is right around the corner. It's the biggest story in the world. <laughs> no reason to miss the scoreboard tonight. The audience, don't touch that dial. Stay right where you are. Catch the scoreboard with Joe Berg. This has been the News Drive at 5. I am Patrick Reynolds. Everybody have a great night. We will see you on Wednesday. Take care, everybody. Serving you better than ever before. 
1059-100.7. WSIC, Statesville, Morrisville, North Charlotte.